We don't have new information about it. It's just our attitudes changed. And a great example, if you study psychiatry and mental health, is masturbation, where it used to be seen as a cause of insanity. It used to be seen as a cause of mental illness. And today, what cause? Today, it's if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you. They're called value reversals. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Gabe Howard, and this is part two of our discussion with Dr. David Cohen. Dr. Cohen was recently featured in the PBS documentary Medicating Normal, the untold story of what can happen when profit-driven medicine intersects with human beings in distress. Dr. Cohen, in part one of the episode, you talked about how the percentage of people in the U.S. taking psychiatric medications, especially kids, has risen dramatically in the last few decades. And as I said before, I personally take psychiatric medications to treat my bipolar disorder, and I feel that I have really benefited from them. But they also have a lot of downsides. I get frustrated because it seems like two camps have set themselves up and very much dug in their heels. We've got the anti-psychiatry side that says that all medications are bad hard stop. And then we've got the medical side that says that all medications are good, hard stop. Now, it's ridiculous on its face. Could you imagine if somebody said, well, water is 100% good? Well, but what about hurricanes? What about drowning? What about flooding? Water is bad in those cases. Well, of course, in those cases, they are bad. So we understand that even something as necessary and as good as water can be dangerous. But again, when we try to have this nuanced conversation about psychiatric medications, the two camps immediately set up and, and they, they immediately just start lobbying insults at each other. Well, um, <laughs> the first thing that I want to say is that this idea that there really are two camps is itself a little bit of an oversimplification. There's always some nuance. I myself, am not sure which camp I'm into. And I can see both sides. I know and I've seen and I've experienced how a drug can help someone to do something they would like to do or to overcome some difficulty. On the other hand, I've seen people being terribly harmed by drugs and being dismissed simply by voicing their concerns. Whenever I'm in a conversation about prescribed psychiatric drugs, one of the things that I always think about is a concept called self-medicating. Lots of people experiencing psychiatric distress will try to make themselves better using illegal street drugs or even alcohol, basically anything that they can get their hands on without a prescription, without a doctor, without a barrier. Now, obviously, we're focusing on prescription drugs right now, but it, it does make me wonder, what's the difference? Is there a difference between an FDA-approved psychiatric drug and just illegal street drugs that people can get, well, frankly, anywhere? Do they have anything in common? Do they match at all? Or are they worlds apart? All that we call psychoactive drugs, they all share, they all produce uh, altered states, altered mental states, altered psychobehavioral states, whether it's alcohol or opiate or uh, what we call an antidepressant or a stimulant, they produce a certain class of effects that, that all the drugs share, whether they're prescribed or whether they're over the counter or whether they're sold on the street on the so-called black market. 
then if they're in that class of drugs, that's what they do. Why the drug is happens to be illegal today, uh, and 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 its sister drug is not uh, is legal. Like you know, amphetamine and cocaine are very, very, very similar. Once prescribed, one is 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 very bad for you. But why is that? That's not. There's very little scientific explanation for that. The drugs have essentially similar effects, but where one came from, and 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 who was supporting it, and what historical time, and who was mostly using it, and who began to promote it and manufacture it, and who allowed that, where and when, all of that plays much more into it than the scientific or chemical or behavioral question of what effect does the drug produce on the average user or on on this person of that age or so forth. So that's what I mean. And the other point related to your question is that there's a nearly constant back and forth between the world of illicit and the world of illicit drugs. The drugs are regularly switching places. The legal becomes illegal the illegal becomes legal. The same drug can simultaneously be illegal for one use and FDA approved for another use, like methamphetamine or nicotine and many other examples that are occurring before our eyes with the psychedelics, especially psilocybin, becoming you know, the go-to drug for addiction. Whereas, in fact, it was before it was the, the, the epitome of irresponsible use was using a psychedelic drug. Now we have microdosing, and I've even seen some people say, maybe we should give it to kids. So you see, everything changes back and forth. If you live long enough, or if you just keep your eyes open for 10 to 15 years, every decade, there's a major change like that. These are just reversals. They're not instructive scientifically. Because we know exactly what we knew about the drug before the change. We don't have new information about it. It's just our attitudes changed. It really reminds me of food guidance. I, I remember when I was a, a, a kid, eggs were bad. And, and then, as you said, I, I, I waited 5, 10, 15 years and eggs were good. And then eggs were bad. And then eggs were good cholesterol. Then eggs were bad cholesterol. And then eggs caused this. And then eggs got uh, yeah. Eggs just have to be just... The poor egg people just have to be suffering so much because depending <laughs> on the day or the news program, eggs are either the greatest thing that you can eat for your health or they will kill you. I I'm exaggerating for effect, but as you said, eggs have stayed the same. Eggs are exactly the same. Eggs have never changed. There's never just, changed. The only thing that's changed is some, some, some generations think eggs are good. Some generations think eggs are bad and they're backed up by science, it seems. And Gabe, that's a fantastic example. I, I wasn't thinking about food, but of course, it completely applies to food. And food too, you have the pyramid of food, the approved food. You have a federal agency that tells you what are the desired foods and how much of each you should take. And all of that changes too. It's very similar to drugs. And it's also, you see it also in behavior. And a great example, if you study psychiatry and mental health, is masturbation. This is an incredible change where it used to be seen as a cause of insanity. It used to be seen as a cause of mental illness. And today, what cause? Today, it's if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you. So you see, we complete, they're called value reversals. They're value reversal. If you just look at it, you know, you just go along and say, oh, look, oh, it's recommended now. Maybe I should try it. You know, that's not the point. Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. It doesn't matter. The point is, how come it was different before? And more important, 
what will it be tomorrow? That's the point, because ultimately, we're geared to the future. What should we do? So just know that the claims about drugs and foods and behaviors are going to be changing. They will not be the same. They'll be wildly different. So be a bit more skeptical. Be a bit more critical. Be a bit more detached about the claims that you're laying your allegiance to. Don't just accept it lock, stock, and barrel. Like, because look what happened before and look what's likely to happen again. And so you're right for sex, for eating, for many things. I mean, of course, exercise or stuff like that. Weight, for example, overweight, underweight, and, and how the technology, how we have new scales. You know, like anorexia barely was discussed as an as a issue before we had small scales we could weigh ourselves on. Scales didn't used to be in the homes. You didn't have a, a $20 thing that you could stand on and know your weight instantly. You had to practically pay to weigh yourself. You had to go in public places and go on these big contraptions. It's just like the way a little technology, a change, completely alters how we think about things and creates like a generational change. And that's what I try to bring up a little bit in the conversation, that we have to look at these issues more as cultural issues, social issues. But in the individual conversation, if I'm seated across somebody and, and it's just me and them, and they're telling me about them and their trouble, it's a different story. I have to listen to what they say and how they see it and what is the pain and what is the, the, the problem. And, and so it's, it's a different story than looking at changing norms and, and changing practices overall in a society. But just because it doesn't have a simple solution, it doesn't mean we can ignore it. It's incredible trying to wrap your mind around this, especially when we consider how serious suicidality is in our young people. They're, they're really, really impacted. And, and, and death is very serious. I, I don't know why I'm trying to convince my listeners that death is serious, but it's serious. And, and, and then all of this information comes at you. And maybe the reason that we're, we don't understand this as well as perhaps we need to is because ultimately we don't take mental health and mental illness as serious as we need to in society. I think if somebody was diagnosed with cancer, this idea that you need to do more research, you need to have more understanding, you really need to dedicate a significant amount of time to understanding it would not land with such a thud. But when we talk about mental health, mental illness, and we say, look, you need to dedicate a significant amount of time to learning, working with your doctor and, and really digging deep. People are like, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm awfully busy. I don't know that I have a lot of time. Well, for that. may I uh, respectfully disagree with you on this? I think that you definitely want to spend a lot of time um, thinking of how you should live your life. And, and when you bring up the, you know, but not necessarily calling it mental health and illness. I find that to me, that's part of the problem. We're under a kind of tyranny of mental health because we, we've just, again, brought too much under that orbit. And as a reason, because we have the word health in there, we'll immediately jump to the medical side of it. You see, because health, medicine, it's so close. So then we'll go to the doctor for what are actually existential. They're philosophical. They're moral problems. How should I do this? Is it right to do that? And it's no accident that famous line of, of the philosopher Camus, Albert Camus, who, who talked about suicide as the fundamental 
philosophical problem and practical problem of existence. In, in other words, he didn't say it's a health and illness problem. This is a damn serious issue that almost everybody has to grapple with at some point or other. And I am very sympathetic to this. I don't call it a health problem. It's a serious issue, but it's a fundamental issue if you're alive. And if you're a thinking person, you're going to think about that at some point. And that must be handled very seriously, but not necessarily medically, in my view. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me, Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com slash IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back talking to Dr. David Cohen from the PBS documentary, Medicating Normal. Dr. Cohen, I, I love the concept that not every single thing that bothers us is a, is a medical issue or a mental health issue. Well, it potentially could be. I, I like that you gave pushback on this idea that it might not be because you're right. I, I do think a lot of people look at something and they decide before they've done any research, before they've really talked to any medical professional, looked at any science whatsoever. They're like, aha, mental health crisis, mental illness. And it, it is vogue right now. And shows like mine, we help educate, but we also have popularized the concept of discussing yeah. mental health crises and, and mental illness. And it, it's it, it's the literal definition of a double-edged sword. I want people to have this information but I think that sometimes maybe people are scared of the information or they reach the wrong conclusion. I, I believe you said we need to remain vigilant and open-minded. And I, yes. I think those are those are powerful, powerful statements when it comes to the mental health issues that our country is having. Because you're right, I, I bet a good many normal things are falling under mental health crisis, whereas when actuality, they're just, life can be hard sometimes. And and it, seeking a medical solution for life can be hard sometimes is, is going to cause, well, more issues than it's going to resolve. I couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. Well, that'll be $100. And, <laughs> <laughs> and in, at, at today's prices, that's pretty cheap. <laughs> that's not a bad deal. I, I've, not I've, a bad deal. I struggle with this so much. I don't want people who are like me to not get help, but I don't want people who are like my friends, my family, my loved ones to think that every time something bad happens in their life, they have a serious and persistent mental issue because I, having one is terrible. <laughs> well, but Gabe, that's, I, I think that's where we've gone, you know, as a certainly in the U.S. We've really gone there. It's like any kind of pain or distress that 
that doesn't, you know, remit easily, that's going to last a little bit, is now it's a disease. That's it. Any kind of serious trap that can befall you is basically a disease. Yeah, that's it. There's no, and I, I'm, I'm sure I'm exaggerating. I hear myself now and I say, no, that's a little too much. But that's how I feel half the time. It's like, can we please have something that is very difficult and lasts for a while that is not going to be considered a disease? Do we always have to ask the, uh, let's ask the clergy what they think. Let's ask the philosopher what they think. Let's ask the, 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 the scientist. Let's ask the poet. Let, let's not necessarily say this is a technical problem. This person's gone to school to study it so they know. No, I, I don't think so. I think that a lot more creative solutions can come uh, out of just people grappling with it, uh, with, with like-minded thinkers or you know, their families and their clergy and their rabbi or priest or what have you. I really, I'm, I'm truly convinced of that. So I'll, I'll beg to disagree a little bit, meaning that there's too much of this mental health stuff. We've just turned too much into mental health. It's just well-being. It's just, you know, living your life. It's not about mental health. Just like every ache and pain is not about disease. It's just about, you know, hey, straighten up or, you know, walk better or move more. And it's not all about treating something. I have to ask, though, for for parents, for loved ones, for yourself, what should you do? You obviously went to a doctor because you felt that you or a loved one was in trouble. You've relied on the information from the FDA. The federal government approved the the medication for this purpose. You've relied on the information from the doctor. Uh, As you said, you've relied on information from podcasters, influencers, health websites, etc. to educate yourself so that you can be informed. And then you've been given this and you're told to take it as prescribed, which again is another message in our society. Take your medicine as prescribed. Be med compliant. What can people do to get out of that loop so that they or their loved ones are in the best position to solve the problem that they're trying to solve in the first place? Wow. Well, uh, it's a tough question, but you know, there's a task that faces every citizen in a society, in any society. What am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? How, how am I going to change myself or learn something new? And who am I going to listen to? This is a universal task that at some point, let's say around the, the 17th or 16th century, at least in the West as we know it, we began to think that you had to be a critical thinker, which means you had to weigh what people told you against other sources of information. And you had to apply certain standards of reason and logic and common sense. And and that was your duty as a citizen, not merely to listen to what the authorities told you. Because who were the previous authorities? Well, they were the church. And who was before them? Well, they were the the witch men or the, the, the witch doctors and who was the before that. So there's always authorities that tell you what to do. But we always forget that the authorities are self-interested. They pursue their own interests also. So to be a critical thinker, which is the task I repeat, you face as a citizen in any social group is to emancipate yourself a little bit from what the authorities tell you simply because 
they're the authorities in your group. You got to think for yourself. And so you have to find some like-minded people and you have to find some people that you don't agree with, but that you respect. And then you say, how are they thinking? How are they going about this? Who else could I ask? What have been other examples of this problem before I came along, before these authorities came along? Who else is dealing with this? Who else is saying something else? And what are they offering? And what's available to me? And how difficult is it? And if it's so difficult, does it mean I should ignore it? Or maybe this is the one, this is the path I have to follow. These are questions that have to be answered in your own case. But I hope I've made the case that you can't just follow what people tell you to do. And if you want to do that, well, then don't complain and just do it. And when adverse effects come along, which they always do, they always do, whether you look at over time, we kind of tend to regret the way we used to do things, right? This is almost a, a law of, of social behavior. The way we're, we're, we're dealing with children now, I shudder to think how we're going to think about that when uh, for 30 years from now, just like how we made children work in factories uh, in the 1880s. We were living in a, in a society that, that, that was dedicated to production. And we, we mobilized all the resources of all human beings to work in factories and everything, including children as young as five and six and seven and eight. Who, who cared about sending them to school? And so we now look back and say, my goodness, how could we have done that? We were worshiping this cult of production of, of goods at any cost. Well, what, what are we worshiping today? Is it the cult of performance? Is it, I, I don't know, I can't quite tell exactly but we have to look at this critically and everybody's got to do it for themselves. I'm sorry to say, I'm not letting anybody off the hook, but that's what it's about. Dr. Cohen, thank you so much for being here. You've, you've, you've answered a lot of questions. You've, you've raised a lot of questions and I think you've given our listeners something to think about so that they can be better informed for themselves, their children, their loved ones, for the people around them. And I, I think that's really, 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 really valuable. Now, the documentary Medicating Normal is out now. It was done by PBS. But how can folks reach you? They can reach me by emailing me. I'm an old-fashioned person who uses email. I do not have a personal website. I have a page on, uh, at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, where I uh, work as a professor. But my email is my last name, Cohen, C-O-H-E-N at luskin, L-U-S-K-I-N, dot U-C-L-A, dot E-D-U. Owen at luskin, dot U-C-L-A, dot E-D-U. That's how people can contact me. Thank you. Thank you so much once again for being here. It's truly my pleasure. Thank you so much for your provocative questions. Thank you. Dr. Cohen, you are very welcome. And I want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker, and I could be available for your next event. I'm also the author of Mental Illness as an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon, but you can grab a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me just by heading over to my website at GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free and you don't want to miss a thing. And can you do me a favor? Recommend the show. Share it on social media. Send an email. Send a text message. Mention it in a support group. Hell, share it at family dinner because sharing the show is how we grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health 
a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.